And we are live. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Opportunity Knox podcast. And for those of you who have been paying attention, this is being recorded on Friday. I think today is October 2nd at 2.30. We announced that we're actually streaming this live for uh, the first time that we publicly announced it. We've kind of sandbagged and thrown a few in there to test things out for ourselves. But this is our first actual broadcast and that pre-announced broadcast live podcast and i am honored to bring on board today a guy that we've been talking for months about getting together to do this and he's busy and i'm busy and schedules never work out and family gets in the way and business gets in the way and priorities get shifted but today's guest has been a dear friend of mine for close to 20 years he is the guy who at the at the worst times of my life was there to kick me in the ass and pat me on the back and give me a hug. He's gotten me through divorce. He's gotten me through death of a family member. He's gotten me through some of the toughest times in my real estate career. Uh, and he's also been there at the peak of it. And he's partly responsible for that as well. I will not give him all the credit because I feel that you have to take responsibility for both your own successes and your own failures. So I will, I will, uh, but I'll let him dive into a little bit of that as we go through this over the next approximate hour. Uh, Brian Moses is a real estate coaching guru. And I know that's a word that he may not want to use, but he, he has been an absolute inspiration to me for many, many, many years. He's worked closely with people like Tony Robbins and Chet Holmes. And, and he's just an inspiration and an, and an, I believe all business people who want to improve need a coach, just like every athlete who wants to improve needs a coach. Brian, in my opinion, is the epitome of the word coach. And he is, uh, he's one of the kindest, most supportive people I've ever met, but he's not afraid to put a foot in your ass when you need it. <laughs> Brian Moses, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so glad we got to do this. Welcome. Dean, it's so great to see you, man. I miss you. You look fantastic. And you just, you know, I, I, I've heard that when you're on death's doorstep, your life flashes before your eyes. You did a good job of uh, getting 20 years of our our friendship to flash before my eyes. In uh, 90 seconds, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was incredible. A lot of a lot of emotional, yeah, emotional experiences with you. You're a dear friend, and I'm grateful to be on your podcast. And and I I I've told you every time we get the chance to speak, I'm just grateful that that you've become uh, that you've been involved in my life. And and I will I will open up the kimono and spill my guts today. When I went, when I was going through a divorce 20 some odd years ago, um, Brian caught me on the tail end of what was a very difficult three year run, three plus year run for me. Um, and I'll never forget the day he said to me, dude, here's your biggest problem. You've become jaded. You're so angry and so hostile and you don't mean to be, but that's where your head is stuck. And he was the first person to open my eyes to that because he's a person who just, he, he listens so well. You know, I always tell people, God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. We got to use them in that proportion. Uh, Brian was a man of very few words to me back in those days. He listened to everything I said and the lessons he taught me and literally kicked me in the ass and said, get out of your own way. It will end. You will come out of this better than you were before. And here I am 20 plus years later. I'm happily married. I got another child. I adopted, I, I adopted my stepson. Uh, at an adult age, and all of that came as a result of of me finding something within myself 
that was inspired from some very simple words that you gave me over a very short period of time. And I can't ever thank you enough for that. Oh, brother, it means the most to me. I appreciate it. Yep, yep. So let's let's dive in. You know, this is this is not specifically a real estate podcast, but we're real estate centric because that's what I spend most of my most of my working hours doing. Um, Brian has been involved in. Co when did you first get into the coaching world? Um, I would say when I was invited to be a panelist on Mike Ferry's stage back in the mid nineties, ninety three, ninety four. Um, and you got yeah, that. Got that invite as a result of being a, a fairly successful real estate agent and then broker yourself, correct? Yeah, I had, uh, I you know, I would go to seminars and um, I would, I believe that you learn from other people who have done it and got to meet some really, really incredible real estate agents. Mike was a great inspiration to me and, you know, it worked for me well at that time. He, um, he taught me to be disciplined, to have a schedule, to show up on time to not take advantage of the fact that I was self-employed and sleep till noon. Yep. So I, I learned a lot of great habits from him and I'm very, very grateful to him in my early years as being a coach and a mentor for me. And um, I would say, yeah, to, I got started in the early nineties. Fantastic. And what, what led you into, because you, you know, listen, you've been on camera in Tony Robbins movie. I saw you, I saw you in the, in the crowd and with the groups and all of that. What led you into the world with Tony? Um, you know, it's an interesting question. I was str a struggling real estate agent. I had graduated college. I told my parents I was getting into real estate because real estate agents make lots of money. And my father was like, what? So they supported me. And the first year I made $18,000 working a hundred hours a week. And I had turned down job offers from, you know, some great, uh, fortune 500 companies and downtown financial district in Boston and uh, was really scratching my head going, did I make the most horrific decision of my life regarding a career? And I was still living at home the first couple of years. So I was up one, one night late. I was deep in debt. Um, I was behind in my bills. You know, I had just had a traumatic breakup from a relationship. My heart was broken and I was up and I was watching an infomercial. Um, on QVC, I think. And it was this, you know, giant man with big teeth, big hands, and he was selling personal power on cassette tapes. So I put it on my credit card like we all do and money I didn't really have and the debt was mounting. And that was that was really my first introduction to Tony. And those tapes, um, you know, he talked about standards and that when you raise the when you raise your standards, you raise the quality of your life. And how you raise your standards is you get pissed off and you go, "What's currently ex what what's currently acceptable, and what I'm currently tolerating, is no longer acceptable." And when you make that decision in whatever area of your life, whether it's your finances, mm -hmm. your relationships, your business, your spiritual connection, whatever that means for you. Um, health, fitness. When you raise your standards, you raise the quality of your life. And I raised my standards that week. Yep. And uh, then things, you know, things progressively got better. So that was the, you know, he, Tony managed the six inches between my ears. That's it. That's, and that's, that's the hardest thing in the world to manage is that space right there. Yeah. And 
it's it, and it's been a fascinating journey to learn from you about you you know I, i've never been to any of tony's events uh, other than stuff that you did at yours that was tony inspired um but i've read all his books and i you know i watch them on youtube and every once in a while you need like you said a guy with a hand that's the size of your head to punch in the face you just lean into the computer and say go ahead i dare you to smack me um but but he's he you know there are so many brilliant quotes and like you know you you've, i'm pretty sure i heard it first from you but it came from times when you change when you when you raise the quality of questions you ask of yourself you raise the quality of your life or some some ver- variants of of that um and I, I i credit you for so many of the quotes that have driven me that you pulled from him and that's why that's what i love about the coaching world and what i love about getting a chance to speak and teach and and kind of mentor some other people is that I, I think you're very much like me in that every time you're up on stage, you're not necessarily there as the teacher. You're there as the student, because I think we learn so much more about ourselves when we get the opportunity to teach. Yeah. I learned a long time ago that you don't fully understand something until you can teach it to somebody else so that they understand it. Right. So whenever I'm studying something, I always study it with that filter that I want to teach it and pay it forward. So it's been great. I've had the opportunity to uh, go to all of Tony's events. I've been personally coached by Tony um, and had a great privilege to work for him at the highest level in his company with his partner, Chet Holmes, for three years as a high-level business consultant, helping companies increase their sales, revenues, and profits. And I learned more in those three years from their training and teachings and mentorship than I have in my entire adult life. It was like, you know, a PhD in the business world. It was fantastic. And you can't go wrong. You know, you watch their, and and I think they are the type of people who are humble enough. I mean, listen, Tony's a big man with a big ego. Uh, We all know that, but he can, but he carries it well. Uh, But there's a tremendous humility about him as well that I think many people don't really pay attention to. Um, because he is the raw, raw guy and, and he is this massive, impressive sized feet creature. Um, you don't think of somebody like him as humble until you step outside of that zone and watch it with a different perspective. Yeah. Um, and and that's one of the things I love about him. He's, he's an incredible human being. His heart is bigger than North America. Um, He's just a wonderful human being, but he's, you know, as much as we see the raw, raw, I think a lot of people who don't know, him or haven't experienced him might judge a book by its cover and think that, you know, he's all about positive thinking and that couldn't be further from the truth. You know, we can be positive and Hey, COVID's going to go away or, you know, my finances are going to be solved or I'm going to lose a hundred pounds. But if you don't take action, nothing happens. So it's not about being positive. He does, you know, he's, he's shifted over the years, Dean, and um, I'll share this little tidbit because we haven't talked in a while, and this this is a this is a gem. Uh, listen, the, the whole reason I invited you to podcast because uh, I'm a selfish sob. <laughs> I, I hope one person listens to this, but I do this. One. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> but well, this yeah. one this one's a gem. I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to anybody listening. Okay, so Got if it. anybody's listening, you know, go get a coffee. <laughs> no, in all seriousness. I was at, I'm a trainer now. I volunteer and I give back because Tony's had such an impact in my life. So I go to maybe four or six events a year and we've been doing them via Zoom lately. But at an event about two years ago, when he was filming 
I'm not your guru. He said, I'm going to ask everybody in the room. There were 6,000 people at Date with Destiny in Florida. Approximately, I think, was the number. Five, 6,000 people. Full packed house. And he said, I'm going to ask you to make the most important decision of your life this week. And I'm thinking to myself, most what, Tony, most important decision of my life? You know, I've already made them. My career, my wife, having kids. What more important decision? This is what's going on in my head. And he let it linger for two days. He wouldn't tell us what the decision was. So, I'm, I mean, I'm going to bed at night thinking, what the hell does this guy have up his sleeve? And then he said, I'm going to ask you to choose to suffer no longer. He goes, there's only two states of being. We live in a beautiful state or we live in a suffering state. And we've all lived in times of suffering. But he said suffering is a choice. Now think about that one. Put that, try that on. Last year, and I know you know this, my son, who's been playing football since he was five, approaching his senior year, you know, being recruited by all kinds of amazing schools, um, quarterback, working his ass off, blows his ACL out the week before the first game. I'm in a suffering state, yeah. right? I'm like, are you shitting me? This is happening to me. I'm having all these emotions. And emotions are either positive or they're suffering. But he said that there's a we have a choice. And he wants to end world suffering. So how do you choose when something harsh happens to you? How do you make the choice to go from what's natural, right? Everybody that is, hears this story, and that's a small example. We could talk about your divorce. You were in a suffering state. Or a loss of a loved one. We're in a suffering state. But even in those difficult times that are normal for us to suffer, it's a choice and we don't have to. And we can minimize that suffering. And that's really been the greatest gift Tony's ever taught me. And the way that you get out of a suffering state. And this may sound harsh or tough, but you ask yourself a different question. Because as you pointed out, good memory, the quality of your life is in direct proportion to the quality of the questions you ask yourself. If you write, ask good, write that quote down, people, it will, it has lingered with me. It'll change your life. Years. Yep. If you ask shitty questions, you'll get shitty answers. So if I would have asked why me, this isn't fair. My subconscious brain is going to go. Yeah, you're a victim. You're, this sucks. Your world is over. And when you ask shitty questions, you get shitty answers. So we want to change the question, as hard as it is, what's great about this? So imagine I'm going through that. I'm thinking our world is over. My son's thinking his world is over. Like at the end of the day, it's a knee injury. He wasn't murdered. He wasn't killed. So perspective, right? What's great about this? Geez, man, it's tough to find an answer. But when you ask the question, your brain starts to answer the questions. So what's great about this? How can I learn from this? How can this serve me? When I asked that question, when my son asked this question, the answers that came to us was we can be an inspiration for other people. We can show people how you should respond. It's not what happens to you in life. It's how you respond to it. Mm -hmm. I could have responded to it in a shitty victim type way, or we could have supported the team, cheered them on, 
cheered on that next quarterback in line, helped the team in any way that we could, which is what we chose to do, made the best of a bad situation, and good things come out on the other side. You know, as you said, when you got divorced, you were going through it, and you're like, man, this is the end of the world. But you get on the other side of it, and sometimes we look back and we go, wow, that was a gift. Yep. It was a gift that he tore his knee, as crazy as that is. It was a gift. So, yeah, choose not to suffer. Yeah, it's fu- it's funny, and, I, and I'll, I'll dive deeper into a little more personal stuff. When my brother passed 11 years ago, uh, it was a result of suicide, and he had some depression issues, and it was it was a, an absolutely mind-blowing tragedy. Yes. And, I'll, and you know, I, I learned before that happened. Um, you know, I, I've been preaching to my kids for, for years and years, find the positive in everything. And I, I try to instill that in everybody I speak to whenever I have the opportunity to do it. And the conversation actually came up a few, I want to say maybe two or three weeks ago. And I was talking to someone and we were talking about that. And they said, what's the worst thing that happened to you? And I run through the list and I said, but you know, the two most difficult challenges of my life, uh, were in chronological order, my, my divorce, which took forever which became a blessing to my life because I look at who I'm with now and what I'm doing and living and how it was a, it was a huge victory for me. Uh, but, but the other biggest opportunity was the passing of my brother. Um, and the day that happened, my life changed for the better in so many ways. And I chose not to look at the, the negative of, of his passing and what it would do to his family. But I chose to look at it and say, how, how can we take this tragic event and find the most positive things to come out of it? And people say, well, you know, your, your brother's gone. You know, you had a three-year falling out with him shortly, you know, that, that you just started to work to repair 12 months before he passed. Uh, and I looked and I said, you know, here, here's some of the positive. I realized that there were a lot of negative people around us, both him and I, who had a negative impact on us. And those people are no longer part of my life or my family's lives. Um, I look at the relationship that was tenuous at best that we had with my sister-in-law who I look at now and said, after my brother passed, I have to live the rest of my life acting and behaving as if I have seven kids and two wives um, because I have a responsibility to her. She is my sister-in-law to the day that we're gone. Um, and, and, I, and I love her. And, and it's, it's built, a, it's, it's changed the dynamic, but it's built a good relationship for us. And yes, every day I know his three kids who were all young suffer as a result of it. I think of them every single day. Um, you know, if you ever meet me and you hear change rattling in my corner, my, in my pocket, it's because I carry a silver dollar, a, a half dollar and a, and a bronze coin in my pocket. And the $2 are from 1972, the year he was born. Uh, and the other coin I carry is from, uh, Ryan holiday. Who's uh, very much a, a stoic wisdom influencer. Uh, and he wrote a, he's written a couple of books about stoicism, but on, it says memento mori and on the back, it says you could leave this earth at any time. And that whole stoic mindset really stemmed uh, from from the situation after my brother passed. And I looked and I said, you have to enjoy every moment of your life. And I'm blessed every day when I wake up, the minute my feet hit the ground. And listen, if you know me, you know, I'm still overweight. I'm riddled with arthritis. I've got bad hips and bad (laughs) knees and ankles. Uh, You can hear me getting out of bed from three rooms away because it sounds like taking a box of spaghetti and breaking it in front of a giant microphone and speaker. Um, but I'm, I'm blessed. I get up and I get to feel that pain and I get to feel that pain go away and I get to live every day and make the choice. Do I want to work to make that pain go away or do I want to work on something else? And it's a choice. 
And there are so many positive things in my life on a daily basis that I've learned as a result of my perspective at the time that he had passed. Well, when you think about it, if you can make the choice to not suffer, that's where growth, advancement, and success comes from. Success comes from a beautiful state, like being confident, being ambitious, being happy, being joyous, being loving. That's where the world is living and thriving. You don't grow and have success when you're sad, when you're depressed, when you're angry, when you're frustrated. So, you know, I'm a work in progress, but, um, and my wife, my wife would be happy to share with you stories of where I've fallen off the wagon and, you know, I've entered the world of frustration or, you know, oh my God, but we're human beings and, you know, we're growing and I'm just, it's a message that has impacted my life in such a profound way, you know, I'd ask everybody to marinate on it and go, you know, it's a choice. You can choose to be happy. You can choose to let go of the little things, the things that don't matter. And I'll offer this too, Dean. Uh, I'm sure that at some point in our lifetime, we've talked about this, but it's the rocking chair test. You know, when you're 90 years old, sitting on the front porch, drooling on yourself, looking back at your life, ask yourself, is this really going to matter? And if the answer is no, get over it like get right. over it quickly so yeah it, it's it and listen this 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 interview is going to be chock full of micro bits of brilliance and i i for the longest time we've been doing this a little over uh, a little over a year now probably somewhere around 14 months and i wouldn't go back and listen to anything because i just figured let's go next we'll evolve we'll learn we'll learn we'll learn um then i started to realize more of the opportunities on the digital marketing side that I'm really working to get better and better at um, and, and enjoying every minute of, I started going back and listening to them at very high speed. And I just kind of make bullet points of everything and say there's blog posts to be shared because not everybody wants to listen to my voice or look at my now shiny head. You didn't comment on the fact that I've got nothing left up here. I'm kind of surprised by that. You, you might want to put some makeup on there. I know. Good. I got to change the lights. I got that that Captain Stubing <laughs> shine on my head. <laughs> the old love boat reference. See, I'm dating myself. I got to get myself some headphones. That looks like badass. That looks legit. It it listen. It works. It makes it makes the sound of my irritating voice more soothing. So. We, we can play with the audio levels and, and things like that. Um, <laughs> see, I, I always try to avoid falling down the rabbit hole, and you're a jackass. You always you always get me into it and then laugh at me. You're, you're the first one to reach in and help me out, but you're the reason I'm in it. In the first oh, listen, I can dish it out, but I can also take it. So I know, I know you get some coming at me. That's, and, and listen, I think that's why even at a distance we've maintained a friendship like we have for 20 years. I mean, we don't see each other. I, I don't think I've seen you in two or three years at a minimum. Yeah, uh, too long. But, uh, but I still, you know, I still think of you all too often. And, and it's part of why I love the world of social media is that it makes that distance so much, so much less. Um, so yeah. I have, I have watched the boys grow up. I've watched you and Janet evolved and I, and I see what you're doing and I, and I love every bit of it. And that's why I'm so excited that we got to do this. So let's dive into, we've gotten into the headspace stuff and we, we can probably talk about that for the next six or seven days without taking a breath. Um, but a lot of my listeners are in the real estate world and, and you have been a huge influence to so many people uh, as a result of your coaching with multiple different companies and your own. And I was proud to say that when you when you launched as a solo act, uh, that I was able to contribute and be a part of it and be involved for quite some time. Let's talk about the, the state of let's 
you know, not to get political, but let's talk about the state of the economy and business and the independent contractor and how you see things right now um, and where you see opportunities for growth, opportunities for success and what people should be focusing on. Um, so I might rub some people the wrong way, but that's why I brought you here. I, I, uh, I can't stand how easy it is to sell real estate right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, never in my 30 years have I experienced a market like this past year or the year before where you got 50 offers on a property and, um, literally you could be a, junior high dropout and make $100,000 a year selling real estate today. It's not hard to do. No. Um, and more and more people now are getting their license, right? So I don't know, um, industry-wise, in terms of volume of sales compared to the number of sales associates, but we are contaminated. We are flooded with people who just threw their hat in the ring. I remember doing an experiment once, Dean, not an experiment, but doing some market research. And there were 400 agents in my market that sold one house in a 12 month period. So they're taking business away from the professionals. Um, so that's, so I think that, you know, the, the economy is uh, what it is. It's going to evolve and change. Interest rates are really, really low. It's um, prices are up. So there's a lot of great reasons to be in real estate right now. But I, you know, I'll just say, say it. I can't stand anybody who's a dabbler. Um, this, you know, there are people who are involved, buyers and sellers, our consumers, the public, who are buying and selling real estate with people who have zero skills. And I'm not suggesting that they're not good people, they're not well-intended, but all real estate agents aren't created equal. That's an and, understatement. And, and skill is more important than motivation. I was motivated when I got into the business and I failed. So it wasn't because I lacked motivation. The reason I was struggling or failing is I didn't have the skills to lead generate, to convert, to acquire clients, to get price reductions, to guide and counsel and influence buying and selling public to make good decisions. That's the key word right there is the guidance. 100%. So, so I've, I've spent my life continue, and continue to spend my life autopsying everything um, to be an expert, to differentiate ourselves from the masses. You know, I think everybody watching would agree especially the professionals in the world that we, and we often hear, you know, I'm a fiduciary. Mm -hmm. I'll represent your best interests, but, you know, count on one hand in your market, how many people could actually articulate what that means. Yep. It's just a lot of hyperbole and superficial, almost political, right? Like we promised the world, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to save you money, but we don't articulate it. So that's kind of my uh, high level take on where it is. I'm excited to see more standards in our industry yep. so that people, I'd like to see greater dues and expenses Amen. so that the, the part-timers go, well, I'm not going to pay you know this to sell two houses a year. I'm out. So I'd like to see that. 
I would like to see the market be more normal because when it's more normal, skills are really, really important. And the, the part-timers or the hobbyists, hobby, if that's a word, people yeah. that are doing it for a hobby, won't be able to survive and out they go. So, you know, this has been a career. I love it. It's provided me with um, a lifestyle that most could only dream of. I've been blessed and um, very, very grateful for this industry. And I wish that people would raise their standards and raise the bar. Couldn't couldn't agree with you more. I'm just look. I'm just looking real quick because I, you know, at the end of the day, I'm a numbers geek. In the last 12 months here, just as a member of the Long Island Board of Realtors, we have over 29,000 agents who are members. Uh, and there are 22,000, just over 22,000 agents who've sold at least one home. When you look at the averages that 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 creates, I, I, I'd have to pull up the math and I'll actually put up a post probably on Instagram. Wow. But when you look at the math, what, is that, what does that mean for the average agent? Uh, and I, I, I do believe, and I'll, like I said, I'll do the math and verify it. So don't, don't come screaming and burning my house down. But I think the average agent here on Long Island is doing less than four transactions a year. It's, uh, it's insane. But, but you had 29,000 real estate agents. How many plumbers? Do you have 29,000 plumbers? 29,000 electricians? You need a plumber today? You're screwed. Yep. You're, you're, you're on a list for three months. If you're out of heat in the winter, you need a heating contractor. To, you need a carpenter, a framer. Good luck. Real estate is overpopulated. Uh, like it, it's it's nuts. There's not there's not twenty nine thousand of any other profession in the world, is there? And that's just that's just on Long Island. That's cr but but I mean, if you compare Long Island, yeah. and there's twenty nine thousand real estate agents. What else is there? Twenty are there twenty nine thousand attorneys? Are there twenty nine thousand doctors? Oh, don't go down that path. It wouldn't surprise me if there's 59,000 attorneys. We are, we, I, I can proudly say we are in one of the most litigious states in the country, in the history of this country. There are probably more lawyers per capita here than anywhere else other than DC. That would be my guess. But Well, the good news is they have, they have, in order to become a lawyer, you have to have eight years of school and you got to pass an extraneous test. Right. And so, here, here in New York, you've got to sit through 75 hours of a class where the five hours, the last five hours are typically them teaching you exactly what's on the test to pass so that they don't have to have you come back and repeat the class again. It, it is it's borderline offensive how easy it is to get a real estate license, because yeah. you look at the, the level of responsibility that an agent should should be obligated to take on compared oh. to what you're getting in return for it. Go. Let me give you another one. So is a real estate trainer who adds value. And somebody who I like to think that I add value, you know, I don't want people to make the same mistakes that I've made. I've stepped on a lot of landmines. Um, I've got systems and processes for everything. And, you know, I'll be, I'll, I'll be on social media and somebody will ask a question. I'll post an answer. And of course, my filter on things is 180 degrees from what the industry looks at, right? Because I don't want to sell four homes a year. So if I do what they do, I'm going to get what they got. But if I want to build a business and be successful, I've got to have an open mind. So I'll post the answer from my filter, from my experience where, you know, I'm selling a ton of real estate and I'm getting chastised on social media like the egos in this industry. You take those people who sell four houses a year and they, they get a listing. Mm -hmm. This is what blows me away. I got a listing. 
And of course, there's 57 offers in one day, right? Well, I am the catch me out, right? And we will not be, there's going to be a delay or we're going to put a time on it. And we're not going to present offers until Monday morning. And you call that agent and they talk down to the buyer agent like they're a piece of crap. Yep. But this guy hadn't sold a house in the previous 12 months. It's mind-boggling the egos in this industry. It is. And it, it, it's one of the reasons, to be honest with you, from a sadistic standpoint, it's one of the reasons why I love being in this business because <laughs> I, I love to help people. You know, we, we spend a lot of time here. And when I say we, I talk about me and, and my, my coaches in Inner Circle uh, who I deal with on, on a weekly basis and in some cases on a daily basis. And we talk about core values. And actually, about less, little less than 22 hours ago, I did an interview with a good friend of mine by the name of Tom Keenan. And Tom wrote a book uh, a year ago that became an Amazon bestseller um, all about core values. It's called Unfuck Your Business. It's UNF and then a bunch of asterisks. But it is what it is. He's another guy from Long Island who just moved. I got a couple copies. If you want one, I'll be more than happy. Oh, yeah. I'm writing it down right now. Yep. Tom Ke Thomas Thomas T O M A S Keenan K E E N A N Tom there's another another free plug for you and you'll get a million more cuz you deserve it but i actually was um you know his his book on audible is about two and a half hours long i i've conditioned my brain to listen to things that i've read before at a very high speed so i'm playing it at like 1.5 1.7 times speed just to kind of find some bullet points to trigger some some intriguing conversation and it all comes back to the same thing, core values. And, and when I look at the, you know, look at the work that we put into our infrastructure and our, our systems and our processes, and I say how much time and effort and money and, and blood, sweat and tears we put into building this business to have one person who happens to know, you know, grandma's cousin, Franny, who lives 17 miles away, four towns away here in Nassau County at Seven and 17 miles is probably more than four towns here. It's so densely populated, but let me give you my listing. So, Hey, you've done nothing to earn it other than the fact that you slept through a real estate class more, more likely than that. Uh, and, and a broker was willing to take you on and how many, and, and you want to talk about pissing people off. It's what I do. How many brokers around here actually put the time and effort to create systems to maintain that training with their agents. And that's not to knock everybody. We've got an, we've got a great community of brokers. And I'm not going to even talk about the agents. I'm just going to talk about the brokers because that's the seat that I sit in now. Um, but there are some that are spectacular and agents would never leave regardless of what their split is because that eight, that broker provides so much value. And we have others who are sitting there collecting a paycheck. And I've, I've told every agent I've interviewed, whether it be to come work for me or if they've asked about others because I'm an independent, they want to go to a big name for whatever foolish reason. Um, just remember one thing. You don't work for your broker. You're an independent contractor, and that broker has to work for you. And that's something that that evolved from all of the conversations I've had with people like yourself over the years, the, the coaches that have sat there with me and walked me through their processes and mindset. And I, I truly believe that, is that I have an obligation, morally and ethically, to put my my agents who who bless me with their presence under my umbrella uh, to do the best I possibly can to help them succeed. And how do I help them succeed? I, I put them in a position to be a guide to have a home. I've sold seven houses in my life, the ones that I've lived in. I've never sold anybody else's house. I facilitate. I create opportunities for people to buy and sell, but I don't sell them. And I hate when I hear agents say, oh, I sold this house. I sold that house. And I get it. It's semantics, and it's the way that I look at it. It's my, it's my Long Island upbringing from a Brooklyn family. 
Um, but that, you know, that's just the way that it works for me. And, and I, I love the fact when an agent comes to me and says, can you help me with something? You know how many brokers would look at that agent and say, come work for me. I'll help you with whatever you need. I've got four or five people I speak to every single week. And I, I sarcastically dropped the nugget and says, could you only see how much you're getting out of me now? Could you imagine what you got if you worked under my umbrella with me? I want to provide for you, but I do it all for free because it makes me better at who I am and, and what yeah. I, yeah. It's, it's, it's a fascinating and disturbing industry in all so many ways. And there are, well, it, here's the great news. It, it is an incredible industry for those of you that are open to alternative ways of doing things. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I was invited to be a, uh, a viewer on a Joseph McClendon zoom meeting last night. And Joseph is Tony Robbins first trainer. Joseph is an amazing guy. And he was talking about how things just happen to evolve. And we don't think, and he was talking about the difference between ignorance and stupidity. And it's a fine line, right? Ignorance is you don't, ignorance is you just don't know. You don't know, that's ignorance. Stupidity is you know, and you do it anyway. Like you don't care. Like it's, it's, but there's that fine line. But so he was talking about um, years ago. So, so he was talking about his, uh, his wife was cooking a ham and she took a pan out and she cut both ends off the ham. Were we listening to the exact same thing? I heard the same story somewhere yesterday. Oh, really? Go ahead and tell it. No, this, was a, this was a private, private uh, trainer's I, training. I swear to you, I, I I know where this is going. And I heard the exact same story somewhere. I think it was yesterday, but it was. Wow. It was okay. go, go. So he's watching his wife. You know, she, it's Easter and she cuts the ends off the ham. She throws the ends away, puts the ham in the oven, and he scratches his head, and he says, why would you do that? And she goes, this is my grandma's recipe, my, you know, passed down from generation to generation. My mother, my mother gave it to me. So a few months later, they're at mom's house. Mom's cooking ham. She cuts the ends off, puts it in the oven. Joseph's going, what's going on? Well, that's my grandmother's recipe. It's been passed down for generations. So they see grandma who comes in a little bit later and she, he, he says, why do you cut the, ham, the ends off the ham? And she says, oh my God, back in the day, the pans were so small, we couldn't fit the whole ham in the pan. But today we can fit the whole ham in the pan. So that shit is going on in our industry today. That That is... All like practice status quo. Practice real estate is still being practiced many, 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 many ways that was done 30, 40 years ago. Oh, more than that, my friend. They're they're still doing it the same way. Yep. You know, it's I don't want you know, people don't know me. They don't know that that maybe I've had some success, I've had some experiences. And if I just tell them what they're doing wrong, they're going to be like, are you kidding me? Everybody does it that way. Mm -hmm. Well, pay attention. If everybody's doing it that way and everybody's averaging four transactions a year, don't do it that way. If people would just spend a little bit of time sharpening the saw, right? Abraham Lincoln, if I had eight hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend six sharpening my axe. 
if real estate agents would spend some time sharpening their acts and think about what they're going to say before they say it, practice it and rehearse it like a Hollywood actor, right? Hollywood actor has a script, 300 pages. They read the script, they study it, they internalize it. It's not word for word. They're using their tonality, but they've thought it through so that they can deliver the best experience. In, if a, we, way, if we in, could a, way, that, in a way that the consumer can, can consume it. And appreciate it. Yeah. Now, when you do that in real estate, here's what it translates to. It translates to more income, mm -hmm. greater conversion. You can charge more money, right? What kills me is that, you know, there's so many people under pressure of commissions. I hear it every day. Every day. Hey, it's well, when you got 29,000 agents in your market, somebody's going to do it for less. Yes, and then somebody's going to do it for less than that guy. And somebody's going to do it for less than that, that guy. So here's my question. Do you want to play that game? Or do you want to articulate your value so you can charge more? And 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 I, I do believe that we're going through another phase again where the race to the bottom is getting faster and faster. Oh. And, and what I mean by that is because there are so many people out there and we're looked at as a commodity and not as a professional, and too many people don't look in the mirror and say, am I a professional or am I one of 29,000? I believe every day that I get out of bed to come to run my business, and it, whether I was a salesperson two years in or here we are, you know, like I said, I got my license in 97. I come to, to the office every day to run a business, the business of me and how I become a professional. And I don't, I don't do real estate. I don't practice real estate. I'd live it when I'm doing it because that's what my clients need from me. It's not what they, it's not just what they expect. It's what they need and what they deserve to go back to that line earlier. I believe I have a moral and ethical obligation to do the best possible job for them. And it also means I'm going to be brutally honest, which is why I've lost many, many clients during my career. Fortunately for me, most of those clients I lost were before they actually became clients. We just weren't a good match for each other. And I don't believe that every, I believe that I could sell a property and I, I literally have um, sold from New York city out to East Hampton. I haven't been out to Montauk, but pretty damn close to the end of Long Island. And I've sold on both ends of it. And that's about 100 miles long. Is it the best business move for me? No. But I was doing the right thing for a very specific set of clients. And I believe that I had an obligation to do the right thing for them based on the relationship I had with them and the ability that I had to do the job right. And they had special circumstances where they didn't want to deal with somebody they didn't know. Um, you know, and, and, and it worked, it was difficult and painful for me. And at the end of the day, I felt I was underpaid on both because I live right smack in the middle of both of those areas, <laughs> 50 miles this way or 70 miles this way and 30 miles that way, but two hours to get the 30 miles going into the city. Um, you know, we, we have an obligation to be specialists, not to be generalists. And then that's why I love where we're going with the media stuff we're doing. Like, you know, I, I'm literally producing a community spotlight show where I go to local businesses and if they don't let me in, I buy their product and if their food and I bring it to the studio and we do reviews of their businesses. And fortunately we haven't had a bad one yet. We've chosen wisely, but every, every one of these places we've done it for, we do it for free. 
many cases we do it without, you know, when, when COVID hit, we couldn't go into a restaurant and meet with people. So we started doing takeout, sitting in front of the green screen, and Corey and his brilliance said, let's make floating chicken wings and floating burgers happen over your head and next to your face when you're doing these. And I, I look at the response that's happened to some of these businesses. You know, when, when restaurants were shut down and could only do takeout, well, people were buying gift cards, and that was nice to help give them money now. But think about it. When they can use that gift card, they're going to take an economic hit on the back end of that. And that's a challenge. And coming from a guy who, who lost a lot of money in the restaurant business, I, while I appreciated the effort, it was the wrong move. Um, but here we are now where we, we've got videos that got 30, 40,000 views uh, with very little, if any, money behind them. And these places are saying, how the hell did this happen? I'm getting messages from the owners saying, don't know why you did it, but thank you very much. Mm. That's my obligation to my community. Um, and, and we, and we love doing it now, granted we're, we're practicing and building a media business out of it. So that's the benefit to us, but you know, you always got to come from that position of giving and giving the best that you possibly can. Um, and with the expectation of absolutely nothing in return every single time. I love it. Yeah. So it works for me. You know, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. I can go on and on and get deeper on so many things with you, but I'm looking at the clock and I'm saying, I want to respect not only your time, but that of my listeners. Cause I try to keep the show to 55 to 60 minutes on average at the most. And we're coming up on minute 49 right now. So let's talk a little bit about, um, where you see opportunities for business today, whether it be in the real estate industry, the coaching business or other places, because you've had your hands very much like me, you've had your hands in so many different industries over the years. We're kind of that, that foolish serial entrepreneur at times. And we get into businesses that we, we know we shouldn't, but we just say, ah, it's going to be fun. We got to try it. Tell me where you, where you see things going and where you see opportunities for people. So I'm on coaching calls all day long with people from all over the U S and Canada. Um, there's, I, I like to keep it simple. You know, me, you'll vouch I'm not a complex guy. I'm a pretty simple guy. Yep. If it makes sense, we'll ex execute on it. If it doesn't or if it's complicated, I'm probably going to screw it up or it's going to screw me up. So I like the KISS formula. Keep it simple, silly. So the, Tony Robbins shared with me um, when we he was doing his business mastery and had me working with him. There's three real simple ways to grow your business. One is quality lead generation quality lead generation. That means attracting buyers and sellers. In this industry, we're still doing it like the 60s and the 70s, where the industry is chasing people, working their sphere of influence, dropping off pumpkins, and they're getting rewarded for bad behavior, right? They'll, every now and then, a blind squirrel finds a nut. So if we can master the skill of lead generation, marketing, and attracting quality leads by 10%, 15%, 20%, that'll translate right to your bottom line. You don't have to get any better at conversion, but if you have 10 more leads and your conversion is one out of 10, your business will go up 10%. So that's the first. And that's an easy, there's a lot of ways to attract leads inexpensively. People are spending, I have an agent in California, Dean, spending 50,000 a month on Zillow. And then you go to Zillow and his name doesn't even come up. It's that's nine. That's two major problems, in my opinion. A, it's a ridiculous amount of money without demanding return on your investment. And B, anybody who knows me knows my stand on Zillow. And I think any agent who contributes to that machine is only putting the nails in their own coffin. Well, you want to tell you want to end your relationship with your spouse or significant other. Get it. Get into you know having to answer the phone when the call comes in. 
So that's no way to build a business. Um, so you can learn the skills of quality lead generation. That's easy. The sec And think about what would happen if you're talking to more buyers and sellers in a weekly basis. And I'm not talking about hundreds of people. There are agents door knocking hundreds of people a day or cold calling hundreds of people a day. Mm -hmm. I'm talking, get, let's get 10, 20 people to call you that are thinking about buying and selling. Good things happen. Second, and my favorite, dollars per deal. How do you increase your dollars per deal? Well, target higher average sales prices. I had a call with somebody the other day. I said, what's your lowest sale in the last five years? What's your highest sale? Well, my lowest was 180. My highest was 1.7 million. Well, that's quite a big gap. Yep. Which do you like better? Now, I'm not saying let's go after $1.7 million people, but there's an opportunity to move his average sales price from 300 to maybe four or 500. So we can make more money working less. And not only do you make more money, you get better quality clients. They're easier to get approved. They make decisions faster. Birds of a feather flock together. Your referrals down the road, you know, a $150,000 prospect hangs around with $150,000 prospects, $600,000 clients. So moving your average sales price, charging a higher percentage, if that's what you want to do. I'm a big advocate of that, right? You want to differentiate yourself, be a premium in the market. Yeah, it's funny. I, I had that exact conversation with a couple of my agents a few months ago, and I said, listen to me. Just because everybody in the, in the industry charges X doesn't mean that you have to. Do you feel that you are worth more? And three of the four said yes. And the fourth one was brand spanking new. And she says, probably not because I don't know what I'm doing yet. Okay, well, you knew. I appreciate, I appreciate the honesty. But I said to all of them, we could do this one of two ways. I know the value that I as a broker provide to you and as a result to your clients. This is just what I do in my systems and my marketing and my tools and everything else that we do. I know what I provide to you and I know that the, the consumer is a byproduct of that they get that benefit. But if they can't get that benefit somewhere else and we're helping people put more, more money in their pocket on the seller end and get better deals or right now, you know, like you said anybody can sell a house. But my own personal experience, I had a listing that that I was working 2 weeks ago, I we priced it properly. I knew I was doing it to get multiple offers. The, the price range that this house should have sold from is somewhere between 590 and 610 is what the appraised value would come in at in a normal time. And I said, with the market being as crazy as it is, I could probably, we could probably make the, the math work that a bank would come in and let the an appraisal come in between 625 and 635. And sure enough, 40 people show up over the course of two days, four hours. We get 11 offers from primary users and we get five builders all come in 540 and under but every primary user came in at 585 and then i told them the next one we went from 620 up to six hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars, where the set the buyer is is so willing because they've been outbid on five other homes to waive the appraisal clause and come up with the cash to make up the difference for them so that they can guarantee they would get the home. And it just blows my mind that so many people look at it and I got yelled at every day. Well, why did you list it at that price? You can't sell a house for a hundred thousand dollars more. And to take a line from you that I've never forgotten, I've instilled in all my kids. Don't ever tell me I can't do something because then my only goal in life is to prove you wrong. Yeah. I love it. I love it. The it, third way, the third one is, Increase the frequency of referrals. Mm -hmm. And we there are tons of strategies. So if the people listening would simplify it and just focus on those three areas, 
more quality leads. Let's master that skill. Let's increase our revenue per deal, bunch of different strategies. And then let's get more referrals from the people that already love us, like us, trust us, and get them sing our, uh, singing our praises. Yep. You're, now, by the way, if you do 10% in strategy one, more leads, 10% in strategy two, average sales price, which by the way, you can do probably 40, 50% in most markets, but 10% in strategy three, 10 plus 10 plus 10 is 30. But the compounded math of those three results is like 38%. Yep. It's funny. My, my, my daughter just chimed in with a comment. She says, we love proving people wrong in our house. And you know what? Here she is watching. And I appreciate, I appreciate the fact that, that she's here without me telling her you need to be on there watching it. The fact that she's here is a sign of you've been a good influence on me. And I'd like to think I've been a good, a good influence on her. That's but awesome. I love, I love, and, and we could go through this a million different ways. And the, while we talk in real estate terms, every single thing we spoke about here today is not real estate only. It is business. If you look at things and say, hey, if I'm selling a better quality product, I have every right to charge more for it. You should. And you're not going to get as many sales, but you're going to make as much, if not more money, if you do it right. Because if you provide the value, if you, you know, lead generation is what every single business is all about. Even the plumber or the electrician you talked about earlier, they still got to have contacts. They still got to generate opportunities to go out and, and make money. And that repeat and referral, can you provide to take a line from the restaurant business. Our job was never to get somebody in there the first time. It was to get them to come back a third time to make them a loyal client, customer. You know, that's what business is all about. And that's what I really love most about doing this podcast and, do, and doing the community spotlight shows is that we get to expose the simple, basic strategies that make not two brilliant people look absolutely brilliant. You know, I, I'm, I'm a college dropout. I'm not afraid to admit it. I'm a high school graduate. Um, and here, here I am all these years later and, and I've got multiple businesses that I'm proud of and most of them are profitable. Uh, and that's a good thing. Not all of them. I'm not afraid to admit I've got more than my fair share of failures. Uh, but those lessons are invaluable. So Brian, let, let's, let's start to wrap because we are up against the hour. Um, you know, especially anybody in the industry, um, you need to pay attention to, to this guy. He is, he is a great coach. He, if for no reason other than, and not, not to demean anything you do, but if no reason other than if you're willing to allow him to hold you to be accountable to yourself, he, he will definitely do that for you. Um, and, and he did that to me for years and years and a few more years after that. But he, he's, you know, this is a guy who practiced what he preached. He was number, was it number two in the world for Coldwell Banker at one point? And could yeah. have and should have been number one, but could have and should have really don't matter. Oh, uh, I started, but <laughs> I listen, I like to throw my shots too. Uh, but this is a guy who's got a proven track record. He, 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 he walked the walk and talked the talk and, and lived it all. Um, evolved into one of the most sought after coaches in the real estate industry um, has become a sought after coach in many, in many other areas and worked with some of the best. Brian, tell people how they can learn more about you, where they can find you uh, and give them some sneak peek as to what benefits you bring to the table for them. I, I appreciate it, Dean. Um, so you can so follow me on Facebook at real estate training breakthroughs. And uh, if you're interested in learning more about us and what we do, go to brianmoses.com. Or if you want to be part of our network, brianmosesinnercircle.com. 
It's a, an incredible group of people from across North America. It's a cheap date. I do it be, not for the money. I do it because I love it and I love the people that I work with and they want, they all have something in common in that, that they want a better quality of life. It's not just about selling more homes and making more money. It's about the balance component of it. So those are, those are three resources. We help agents increase their sales, their revenues, their profits, reduce unnecessary expenses. Um, We're another filter for them. And we help them increase increase their balance and quality of life, which is a big thing that I'm a big advocate of. And Brian Brian is a little too humble, in my opinion, at this at this moment. But he he definitely has the ability to take it and and even if you're not looking for coaching, go follow what he does on social media. I'd like to kick him in the ass and get him to do a better job of it. But when you look at the messages he does put out <laughs> when he does it, they really they really are very influential and and will will give you a good perspective. Uh, and if nothing else, it'll make you think a little bit. And that's how we all grow. Dude, I want to thank you so much for, for taking the time. Don't go away after the live. We'll catch up a few more minutes. Uh, but it, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, we've got to do this more often, whether it's public facing or just you and me sitting down before we can get back together, crack open a bottle and have a few laughs and, and see what we can do to, to start start some shit from the past, the present, and the future. Well, thanks for having me, Dean. I appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Brian Moses, my dear friend, I thank you so much for your time. As always, if you enjoyed the show, please give us some feedback. Let us know what you think. A review or two here and there wouldn't kill you. If uh, if you got the time and you got the nerve, I'm more than happy to listen to both the positives and the negatives. I'm that guy who loves negative Yelp reviews when they come in, just so I can stick it back <laughs> when you are wrong, because I don't believe the customer is always right. I think they're always right until they're not. Um, <laughs> but that's the arrogance. I mean, that, that's the restaurant guy in me. Um, Dude, thank you so much. As always, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Opportunity Knox podcast. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Dean Miller Real Estate uh, and other places coming soon. Stay tuned. And if you're from Long Island, go check out that If You Live Here page. We're posting reviews. We want to meet local and small business owners to not only do video spotlights, but to have them as guests here on the podcast as well. Thank you so much for tuning in. Go make this a wonderful day.